0: Welcome to the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the nationally recognized preferred provider for asset protection and tax planning in the nation. This show is for real estate investors looking to protect their assets, save on taxes, and build their wealth with Clint Coons. Clint is an attorney, author, avid real estate investor, and featured instructor at Anderson's tax and asset protection events held throughout the country. Enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Hey, it's Clint Coons here, and in this episode, what I wanted to do is bring on someone that I've known for many years. He's a client, he's a real estate investor, and I wanted to share with you his story because you know, I see questions from people that are wondering, how do I get started in, in real estate, what that process is like, and I receive these questions from many other people that come to my YouTube channel because they know I'm an avid real estate investor, but I also want you to hear from someone else who's been in the trenches. And Abel Pacheco is that person where he started out and he's built a portfolio now to over 1500 doors. And there's a, pro- a process there. And so to have someone like him spend the time to come in here and tell you what you can do to grow your own portfolio, or maybe take it to the next level. Maybe you've got a few single families right now and you want to get involved in multifamily investing. He's the guy to do it. So with that Abel, Thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, thank you, Clint. Thanks for having me, man. I'm super excited. I've learned a ton from you and 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 over the years, really, your organization's helped me a ton scale and grow. So just to come around full circle and, and give something back, man, that's awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's great because you started out, you know, I'll let you tell your story here in a minute, but you started out investing and now you have, uh, you know, Five Talents Capital, Five Talents Podcast, and, and you've actually branched out and you're doing more than just real estate investing. But, you know, from what I know and working with you over the last, gosh, what's it been now, five years, your business, the, the real estate was that foundation. And so with that, why don't you share with people you know your story, how how it all started working for you? And then we'll start talking about some sure. details,
1: yeah, thank you. Well, so for those that don't uh, know me or kind of new to our world, we appreciate you, you know, listening. My name is Abel Pacheco. I'm the president and principal of Five Talents Capital. And so what we do today is we buy apartment buildings and we allow busy professionals, people that, don't have a lot of time to do real estate. Invest in commercial multifamily real estate with via syndications. We basically find deals, underwrite, analyze, put a ton of offers on a bunch of real estate. And then the moment we have a seller that's agreeing to take our price, we go do that deal. We buy it and we, we basically put a, a group of investors together. So a syndicate, a number of us all put our money together and we go buy something bigger than what we would have been able to buy on our own. So that's that's what I do today. But well, also we're in about 1,500 doors. As, as Clint mentioned, we're Active investors, general partners, principals, syndicators, co sponsors, well, all the terms are kind of synonymous, but we go actively do that and we buy heavily in San Antonio, Texas, South Texas, a lot of properties here. So that 1500 doors is about 15 uh, multifamily properties. The smallest properties are like 45, 50 doors and the biggest are 260 something. So 268 unit properties and uh, somewhere in between there. Uh, the way we got started was definitely not like this. We were a single family investor, so kind of to to Clint's point, right? It was man, I've known him for a number of years, but before I I connected with him, I was a uh, one single family house at a time. So myself and my wife were in tech. We. Worked a W-2, normal, you know, job. And I was a sales guy for the many of my years, just on the phone, on the phone. And uh, from 2006 to 2016, we worked at a company here locally in San Antonio. And it went from a couple hundred employees, 600, I think, when I started, to about 6,000. And it was a $200, you know, $100 million company a year. And I exited when it was about a $2 billion corporation. So that run when I was working at tech, my goal was save as much money as I could, save every penny and every dollar, live below my my means, save up fifteen or twenty grand, and buy another house. And that was that was really my my game plan. Uh, so it took me about ten years. We bought eight houses and single family houses. And you know, for those that, that don't have any money, I'm with you. I'm with you. I was there. I think I bought my first house house with an FHA loan, 3% down. I think we put $5,000 on a Texas house. We lived in it. Then we stayed in there and we went to the next one. Instead of selling the first one, we bought the second, did another loan where I we lived in it, put a 5% down, and then rented out the first one. And then we proceeded to do that uh, deal number three, deal number four. It was kind of. It took me a long time to do that. It was uh, between my first house and my second house. It may have been like four years, three or four years before I could save up enough money to go buy the second. But when that happened, we started getting cash flow. A few, it's basically cash flow positive. The mortgage was I don't know six or seven hundred bucks at that time, and I was renting it out for nine hundred a thousand. So a few a few hundred bucks extra cash flow, I would make it there. And I always had side hustles. So don't overlook the amount of time that you have. I was a single uh, individual at first when me and my my wife were married. Uh, we had a lot of free time. There was no kids at the house. So Monday through Friday, afternoons and evenings and weekends, I would find uh, properties. I would look for deals. And then I would also make a lot of money on Craigslist. We We must have hustled about 15 to 20 cars, you know, somewhere in that 10 to 15 range and we would look for a car and go buy it and then go sell it on Craigslist and make a few extra grand and that's what helped us buy our third or fourth house. It didn't start at cars. I you know, I did we sold golf clubs and furniture and watches and anything literally anything we could find on Craigslist that was worth of some kind of value. Call them, ask them to buy it, and then go sell it again for some more money. And that's what we did for you know the first four or five years. I was making fifty grand, I think, in tech when I first started. Sixty k. I worked out my way from twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen ish. You know, I think when actually when we left in twenty sixteen, Rackspace, I was just crossing this two hundred thousand dollar a year barrier. But that W two wasn't like that for. Seven of those years, six—I don't know, six or seven—I was making less than a hundred grand, you know, for a good number of those years, and finally broke through. Finally, made more. We had more money to invest. I invested in more real estate, but essentially, it was the grind of doing another deal and another deal and another deal before we got education. I'll pause after the education part to give to give uh, Clint maybe some time and take a breath. But we we bought those houses all that time. I thought I was doing it the right way. I was the individual in my group that, you know, my network, my circle that had eight houses. No one else had that many houses. So people would ask me for inside and in education. I would tell them what I knew, but I wasn't getting education from anywhere until I finally, you know, ponied up and I got drugged to a, to a real estate conference, a seminar, free weekend real estate. And my sister brought me with her. And after that weekend, I was putting $20,000 down and buying education and, you know, real estate education. And from that moment, I was like, okay, I went from buying eight houses in 10 years to we did 10 deals in one year, uh, single family applying that education before I entered into apartment investing or multifamily uh, door. So anyways, let me, let me pause here. That's, that's kind of how we got started in a, in a quick summary, Clint.
0: So it sounds like then what you were doing initially is you would buy a house and you're using the Burr method. And after you acquire that, you'd live in it and then you would move out, turn that into a rental and you kept that that rolling. So I would assume, you know, you're, you're finding the properties maybe on the MLS initially. And then after you educated yourself on, on different ways of investing, because that's where we met at an event mm-hmm. years ago, you tapped into, you know, 10 properties in one year. Well, for someone who's sitting back and well, how the heck do you, are you going to, I get the Burr method, but how are you going to find 10 yeah. properties in one year? What does that take? Shifting, mental shifting, you know, processes and things like that to do that.
1: Yeah. Well, let's, let's write down those. Two, I think those two things are great uh, points, right? One, mental and two, maybe tactical. So for somebody that wants to, to employ some of this immediately, right? What I was doing was going through agency loans. Uh, I was buying off the MLS. I was searching like a dog from the real estate listings and going to open houses and all that stuff and trying to find a good deal. Well, that was barely scratching the surface because I wasn't heavy in a lot of rehab. I didn't, man, if you talk to my wife, she'll tell you, I don't know how to do plumbing. I don't know how to fix floors. I don't, I just don't do that very well, not well anyways. And so we would find houses that were already ready to rent and we would do that and make a little bit of cash flow. But the the education point for me, there was these terms. And if you're listening now, you can write down wholesaling. You can write down seller finance. You can write down hard money loans. You can write down motivated sellers these terms that you can go search on your own they're free there's a ton of YouTube education on how to do it I I started looking for motivated sellers that were willing to sell their house at a discount and I would lock those deals up under contract so tactically I had a contract I would agree to a price get them to sign their the rights to you know to sell it and I would be the buyer at a certain price and uh, if I like that deal, then I would go do that deal. I would use a hard money loan, a hard money lender, which I'd never used before. I thought the hard money lender was like, it, just by de- by definition, I thought he was gonna rough me up if I didn't pay him or something like that. Hard money, I was like, oh man, that sounds that sounds aggressive. But I realized, oh, there's people that will lend the price of the, the value of the house, the appraisal value plus your rehab cost and do like 90% of everything that's needed. As opposed to what I was doing, it was easier to qualify for more of those loans. They wanted a little bit of experience, which I I had some up until that point, but they wanted rehab experience, construction experience. And so I just put a partner, me and, and a partner that had already construction experience, we did a deal together and that's how we punched our card with many multiple times of construction experience. And then we used my, my W2 liquidity and my credit score and that kind of thing to get a loan. And and we did, you know, a bunch of houses in one year. So it was because I paid for education that I even found those terms. So there's a $20,000 education right there. Go Google those terms and find all those terms on YouTube and you'll figure out this, a lot of the information on how to do it if you've never heard those. But yeah, invested for 10 years without knowing you could do that. And so that's how we did 10 deals. We did some seller finance uh, the other way where we got into a couple properties with little to no money down. It was creative financing. So we learned that, you know, they were willing to trade a deal to us, take over the payments and pay them a higher price And then we wrapped it up under a contract, put together a note that I guess what Clint knows more than I do on how to do. I just talked to the pros. I'm like, how do I do this? And they put it together for us and we, we wrap it. And then this deal, we ended up selling it at a higher value than what we quote unquote bought it for, had it under contract. And it was like, oh, this has unlocked these potential different ways to buy houses where I needed less money, how to say yes more. And that's tactically what we did. Another thing that we did was uh, for anybody that really wants to get cooking, we put an ad on Craigslist and we said, hey, because I love Craigslist. So I was like, hey, I'm willing to buy your windshield space if you're if you're a taker. And we had white vinyl signs, stickers put on the back of somebody's windshield that says I buy houses with a phone number that came to my phone, not theirs. And I told him, if I buy any deals, if we do any deals, I'll pay them $1,000 for riding around with the sticker. So I didn't pay him to, to to do it, to put the sticker on. I paid for the sticker. They did that. We had about 400 cars uh, rolling around with our sign and our number. So we did that for, you know, the those 10 transactions. That's how we found so many. My best, man, we found a deal for 20K. Uh, they were ready to sell. It was a bad, ugly house. And we put 30, 40K into it and we sold it for like 130K. And it was the, it was the very first deal I found off of that to kind of paid for my year in advance. So that investment to actually do that, actually to get my first, you know, piece of paper contract was one of the hardest things ever mentally, because ultimately I I realized how hard it was to kind of, say, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to pay this price for this particular house and put it in writing. I was just fearful. I was scared. I was nervous. We finally mustered the, you know, this is the mindset thing. I realized, oh, other people do this like 50 times, a hundred times in a year. What's the first one? Big deal. If something doesn't happen, I don't close. No big deal. You haven't put anything down. That was a big part of it. And so, you know, that's a little bit how I got started.
0: Okay, so what you just said about that there's two points in there that I think is really important for the people that are watching this right now. Number one, you said that you teamed up with someone who knows more than you. And that's really important when when you get started, you don't have to know it all. There's a lot of people out there that have the knowledge and they're willing to help someone like yourself and of course they're going to be in for for part of the profit. So you do the heavy lifting but then when it comes time to getting the loans, you're bringing in their expertise that many of those lenders require. So in that scenario, how do you find those people?
1: Man, the the biggest you know factor of success that I've had for me is networking. What I did then kind of unlocked this mindset for me that said, oh, you don't have to do everything yourself. You don't have to know everything. You just have to partner with people that are experts. And the networking part, I had heard of this term for years. Your network is your net worth. And I, I thought I understood it, but I really realized I didn't because I wasn't leveraging the way that I do today. And that is just, you know, number one, you're shaking hands, getting over a little fear of saying hello. That's the first one. And most people, I mean, they just, for whatever reason, there's a lot of people that have this fear about talking to somebody because they've done something, they've done these great things. You just got to get over it. You got to get over yourself and humble yourself a little bit. Even if you think you're a pro, which I thought I was a a pro in my network. I did eight houses. No one had done that. Well, just to go to somebody in, in a room that says, I've done 50 houses or I bought an apartment complex to humble yourself and just say, you know what? I I don't know everything. I'd love to learn more. Can I take you to lunch? You know, I don't like the term pick your brain anymore. I think everyone says that, but you know, it's just, I'd love to learn a little bit more. What you did was fascinating, was inspiring. I'm motivated. I want to go do it. Tell your truth, tell your motivation. You know, for me, it was a, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And at the time it was my wife's pregnant. I'm trying to get this thing on and I see you doing it. I'd love to learn. How, how you did it so any advice any insight if that you know if they say no to that you know okay well ask the next person ask the next person doing the things that you want to do yourself and in truth that little bit of you know spark to say okay we did 10 houses well i i met somebody else through our networking and our education and conferences and meetups and all the places that i would try to go to i met another person that was Doing apartment complexes, and I said, "Wow, you're, you bought a twenty million dollar building." I, I don't, I wouldn't even fathom. I, it's going to be twenty more years before. And they, they go, "No, no, no, no. you don't need twenty million dollars. You just need a partner with a team that can qualify, and then we put the deals together." And so I'm, I'm literally invested as a general partner principal in a hundred plus million dollars worth of real estate. And had I not partnered with somebody, I would not have been able to do any of those. Uh, Our first deal was 124 units. It was $7 million. For those that don't, there's like a little mystical part of it here. It's, you know, I don't know how to buy this deal. The networking part was I met someone else that was doing it. I knew them. I liked them enough. I trusted them. I asked them how they did it. They showed me how. You just, you know, group a a few people to sign on the loan, just like a co-signer, almost if you would, for, for a car co-signer for an apartment complex and this is how we put the deals together and you know that networking part of it was shaking hands meeting people uh going out of my way to say i don't know how to do this humble yourself and and just you know then continue a relationship right how can you serve another person provide them value give them some insider nuggets anything you can do to help somebody else and a lot of times people want to help you as well especially successful people for whatever reason you know, it's like, man, I've already achieved it. You're going to go apply this. Let me help you give you some of that knowledge. It's amazing. So,
0: yeah. And it's about building processes as well. And, and, and you said those connections. So when you, when you were talking about the buying the property with a hard money loan, buying residential real estate with hard money, people would think that's just stupid. Why would you ever agree to pay someone 10%, three or five points, depending to get into that deal? Well, As you've done, I did it. My first real estate that I got involved with, I was using hard money lenders. I was paying that. They were loaning 100% of the rehab value because they knew that the person that I was using to do the rehab did quality work and that the value Mm -hmm. was gonna be there after their uh, work was done. So I would come in, get my properties. I'd be into it for maybe $1,500. And then I would go to i I'd already had a community lender set up that I'd created a bank account with, I created a relationship with, I explained to them what I was doing. And I said, what are the terms in, under which you'll loan me money? And they told me, listen, you gotta have 30% equity in the property. As long as that appraises you have 30% equity, we will give you 70% we will ta- you know to take out the hard money lender. And so that's what I started doing, just like what you were doing. And so for people who are investing in real estate, it's understanding that there are ways you don't have to have a ton of money. You don't have to have money to do this, but if you find someone with experience, you, it, it, there's ways to get into it. You just have to build that, that group that can work with yeah. you.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you said that, um, when you were building that out, okay. And you find these people through networking from going to different conferences and, and mm-hmm. do you, I mean, cause you see conferences all over the place or virtual now, yeah. which I don't think you, you weren't going to virtual then you're going to in person,
1: correct? Yeah. It's just before COVID. So yeah. we were, we were doing a lot of travel. We were taking advantage of everything local that we could in San Antonio. If you go to tactically, go to meetup.com mm-hmm. you, and and search for single family, multifamily, whatever, you know, kind of investing you're interested or whatever group you can find some people that meet up at a certain time. So there's a tactical nugget, right? For you, meetup.com. And uh, that's really good. And then there's Facebook groups that are the virtual there was, you know, I was not heavily into them then I am a little bit more now, but, and then I'd ask again, my network too, like, Hey, which events are you going to? When I was at the event, I would ask, which events are you headed to? And which one do you think is most valuable? And you have to be willing to invest in yourself time and resources to, to, to get this right. And then be ready to implement and, you know, one of the things my wife tells me, she's like, man, you we, we did it right because she was pregnant with our little one. And I was worried about traveling that year. This is our first one, and she goes, "Well, it's better to go now while I'm pregnant because when the kids are here, you're gonna do less travel, and I know it." And so for a year, while I was working at w two, Monday through Friday, I would take off early Friday or leave on Thursday and kind of fly to the event Friday, be there Saturday, Sunday, drive, uh, come back and, and be at work. And we went to, you know, 10, 12 different cities over a year uh, to a bunch of different conferences. And that is a big investment, time, effort, energy, resources. But it just unlocked this, you know, new avenue of, of investing for us. And, you know, it was amazing. Commercial real estate absolutely changed it up for us. Because we learned and because we went, yeah,
0: so we always talk about our successes what you say was your your biggest failure along the way
1: or maybe there's more than one, and then how yeah. did you overcome it? well, I would say you know for the for the ten years, this is kind of funny because I I think back on what what was it that held me back what was it and I was worried about the cost I was I, I didn't think I could qualify I didn't think I was good enough I didn't think. I was like the quote unquote wealthy. They made certain moves, and I can't make those. I came from a, you know, a family where my my parents are seventy in their seventies, and they're still working today. And you know, I'm like, man, this is where we came from, and this is our family. And I don't know if I could break out of that. I I read this book with rich dad, poor dad. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have read it. I read that in a 2006 ish, whatever. Well, a couple of years later, I read another book that was called The ABCs of Real Estate Investing, was a rich dad, poor dad advisor's book by Ken McElroy, and he talks about buying apartment complexes. Well, I bought this book and I was like, ABCs of Real Estate Investing. I thought they were going to show me how to buy my first single family house. Ken McElroy ends up talking about buying apartment buildings. In fact, he's, he's explaining what I'm doing today, 2022. But for those 14 years, or how you know from then till 2018, 10 years, I had this limiting belief about myself that I was actually good enough or I could do that. And so that's why I played small. So my biggest you know, you know just kind of mistake over there was just belief in myself that I could go do that so, Anybody that's listening, man, you if you have a little bit of motivation, you have a little bit of spark to you, you have a little bit of, you know, mindset to go after it and go do it, like go do it. You absolutely can make it happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, what you, you hit on is the mindset that yeah. it's available and you can do it, but you have to break through that. And so many people, I think, hold themselves back. They find reasons not to do something. They're always looking for the, the excuses to say no rather than say Yes. When an opportunity comes along, it's presented to them, they ask, well, how much is that gonna cost? And so their mind automatically goes to preservation, we have gotta figure this out, rather than saying, what is that gonna do for me? And and, and that's where I see a lot of investors, even business owners that, that I've run into, it's making that switch to looking at opportunities and then seizing those opportunities. It's what, you know, I've talked about this before, you know, you wonder, well, how do you, how do you create luck? It's where planning meets opportunity. And then when that opportunity is there and you plan for it, you better be ready to take action and be willing to move forwards. And that's the way it is with real estate. My father was an avid real estate investor. And to this day, he talks about the, all the deals he messed up on, or he could have had, should have had done, done this. And the reason why is that he couldn't yeah. say yes right away when yeah. the opportunity was presented. And that's, that, that's yeah. a problem. So, so you started out, then you got these single family properties, Mm -hmm. then you make this switch into multifamily. That's a huge leap to go from, from single family to multifamily. So did you do it with your own money or did you actually just go out there and, and syndicate right away?
1: The way we moved from multifamily or the way we moved to it was really, man, it was the same principles that we took in single family, which is partner with somebody who had more experience, had more knowledge. And the, the demystifying part that I talked about was just the line of sight to debt and equity. And the moment you have line of sight to debt and equity, the then you have the ability to go do that bigger deal. So in multifamily, it's, it's really a matter of net worth equating to the size of the loan amount, equity enough to, to buy the deal. The general partners need to have a percentage invested of their own money into the deal. And then you have to have somebody with experience. Somebody's done it before. So it ends up being a bigger team than just maybe me and my single family house was me and a contractor. It's uh, four or five of us that are all putting our resources together, net worth, liquidity, ability to raise capital. And then our knowledge on actually finding the right deal and going to implement and execute it. And that's what we did was we just we leveraged each other and our experiences, our knowledge, our resources, our, you know, what we had our network to go say how to bring together 30 or 40 investors in one group and all march down the, the field in unison and have a tu- you know score a touchdown at the end and buy the $10 million building. And that's, that's what we do. And that's how we've done it, you know, the past 14, 15 times now in the last several years. And that's a big, you know, it was a big mindset to the same mindset shift to say, "Uh, I don't know if I can do the hard money loan was the same mindset shift for me to say, I don't know if I could sign on a $7 million loan was crazy for me the first time. Then the second one was nine and the next one was 10. And the biggest one was, you know, it was like $26 million. And it starts to be okay after you've done it a number of times and then you realize oh there's a lot of people that do this because the lenders give that money non-recourse debt a lot of times because th- these are assets are so valuable they income they generate income they provide a good stable cash flow they're g- good at scale and they give us all the tax benefits that we want as investors and secure the asset over there for the banks and the lenders. So it was kind of, it's the same thing, different, but the same. And that's what we did and that's how we're doing it today.
0: Yeah, that's a mistake that I think a lot of people make is they, they think that multifamily is different from single family. It's just real estate with more zeros mm-hmm. is all it is. Mm-hmm. And so you're gonna go mm-hmm. through the same process. But in reality, when you're going through the multifamily process and you're borrowing money, you don't have to give a personal guarantee many times. Mm-mm. And so uh, what you, the term you use, so people understand this, non-recourse means yes. that if you had to walk away, something happened on the property and the bank comes in and forecloses, if they sell it for less than what is owed, you're not liable for the difference. So this is important to know when it comes to putting these deals together. You you don't have a lot of risk.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But what you said, which I hope people... Um, understand here with that is that when you're doing these deals, you got to, you got to have the right financing in place and you got to have someone who is experienced to begin with, right? That's a, that's a key to getting these types of loans and putting the deals together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you, you know, yeah. you, you summarized it, you summarized it absolutely well experience partnering, leveraging the banks love the non-recourse debt and let, you know, less risk, less risk. Where do you find the deals? That's what everyone wants to know. Hey, where do you find them? So we've, the the 15 deals we've done, there's probably been about half of them that are quote unquote off market and half of them that are on market. And in commercial real estate, what happens is almost everything. It feels like like 90% of all the deals actually trade through brokers. So when I was a single family investor, I wanted to say, oh, I'm going to find the deal myself. I'm going to go straight to the owner. And so we still do that. You know, we still have some calls that are going out and letters that go out to apartment owners. And we've we've closed probably three of them that have been direct to seller. Those, though, are really the needle in the haystack. If you want a repeatable business, you actually work with the brokers and the brokers will term them as off market, even though they go through the brokerage s- s- seller calls JLL, calls Northmark, calls the big guys and CBRE or whatever. And and they'll go, "Hey, I want to sell my apartment complex. The broker then goes, okay, they do the OM, they do the data, they make it all pretty nice and packaged, big firm. And they'll send it out to their list of off-market investors, somebody like myself that would say, hey, I buy deals. And they'll send it to, I don't know, who depends on every deal, 10, 20, 100, who knows, it goes through this off-market, which is really on-market-ish uh, in, in our relative terms. But before they distribute it on their website, someone gets a first look. And that first look is we want to be in that first look. And in this space, it's really hard to break in because if you've never done a deal, they don't want to send you that off-market property. They don't want to send you that first look. Uh, they, they just want surety of close to make sure they can absolutely close a deal They don't send them to newbies or new, you know. This is my first time, so what we did was we again back to this network thing we partnered with other people that had a great track record, have been doing a lot of deals in our market in our area, and we leveraged and we played the we game. We did, we are buying a deal, we are looking for a property, me and my partners. And they're like, who's your partner? Oh, OK, I know those guys. I've sold them and bought and sold a couple deals. Yeah, well, let's work together. And so now as a team, we get some of those off market looks, um, which is what we want to do for the commercial real estate broker. Any brokers listening, call me. I'm Biden, San Antonio, South Texas. But then also there's on market deals. And, you know, half of our deals have been on market from their website. Go in. There's financials. There are T12 rent rolls. You sign an NDA, look at their website, go do the analysis. The analysis is what a lot of people don't do a lot of. Uh, people will say all the time, there's no good deals in my market. Oh, you're in Texas? Well, then you've got a great market. It's so easy to find deals. I'm over here in you know XYZ market and so competitive or whatever it is. Really, man, sometimes we underwrite and analyze you know, 50, 60, 70, 100 deals. Underwrite them all the way through, walk half of them, put offers on a third of them, get rejected on 29 of them until the one says yes. And that is not an easy thing, but it is repeatable and it's systematic. And we just go and underwrite a ton of deals on or off market, broker or not broker, direct to seller, whatever, and just go look at a bunch of them. And then, you know, make offers. And that that's the work part, the tactical action that a lot of people don't want to take, which is why some people when they close deals are like, oh, yeah, I understand it's hard to to find a deal, but you just kind of keep pushing through until you find your deal because you're eventually going to find one. It's a numbers game. And then when you do you've got all the resources lined up to go take it down so that's there unfortunately there's no magic bullet in that but that's that's how we're doing deals today
0: you just can't be afraid of rejection if you if you can't handle rejection then you're not going to be able to buy real estate because no one you got, yeah. I mean, you're going to get a lot of no's they're not going to accept your offer if you get a lot of yeses you're making the wrong offers so mm-hmm. um you know to, in finding deals too one of the things that i i discovered is that When we went into a certain market, um, we were working with the local, we found this used appliance store. And so a lot of, you know, investors that own properties, they'll go to the used appliance store when the refrigerator goes out or or the uh, stove. Yeah. So we started talking to that individual and said, "Well, who are the players in the market? Can you introduce me to some of them?" And so we started making connections that way. And then we started uh, working with a property manager. And then the property manager, of course, he really knows who's in the market. And we let the property Mm -hmm. manager know, "Hey, if there are uh, individual investors in this market that you know of that you manage their property, and typically they're out of state many times, we're interested in buying if they want to get if they want to sell." And so we had deal flow that started coming in like from that. the used appliance store from from local investors who were looking to retire and sell their portfolios. And so as you say, off-market and from our property manager, and that really helped as well. And so finding places like that, you don't think about it when, when, when you're driving down the street and you see that used appliance store, but that could
1: be a goldmine for you, an opportunity yeah. to get those off-market yeah. deals. You triggered a, uh, uh, one of the... the... The reminders here. So some of our team members are members of the National Apartment Association and our other apartment association groups. And they end up meeting once a month and hanging out. And it's a lot of property owners that, you know, we're building relationships for the long term. So mm-hmm. I kind of kind of forget about the work that my team does because it's not just me, but yeah, they they spend a lot of time in there and that's how they've done some of the property uh, direct to, to, to seller as well as you know the g- good old letter hey we're going to buy x amount of doors this year we want to see if we want to buy yours so anyways yep that's yep. awesome thanks Clint. so with your with your business now all right so you've
0: mortgaged mm-hmm. up so you, so you're not coming up with all the cash for the down you've actually mm-hmm. started syndicating and which mm-hmm. means you're raising money from people that you that you have a relationship with that, that mm-hmm. you've met over the years that's why that networking's so important so in order for someone that, you know, is looking at that, that's watching this right now, they've been through the single families and they've got a few, they've got their portfolio. Now they want to take it that next level. What are some of the key
1: takeaways that they should know of if, if to do that? Well, the two, the two biggest areas of impact that are going to drive the most success in what we do today, it's finding the next deal and finding investors to go buy the deal that's the 80-20. How do I go underwrite a bunch of deals that can lead me to the one great investment? And how do I make sure I have enough money to go do that deal when I find it? So finding new investors and finding new deals, it is a lot of the same group uh, that we're looking for, like networking into the right areas, networking, uh, shaking hands, building really good, strong relationships with investors and a lot of times uh, what happens, you know, is you have somebody that has some net worth, that has some liquidity that has the means to go do this, but they don't want to do any of the work. They don't want to go underwrite 100 deals and walk 60-70 properties. So they'll leverage somebody like me that's willing to go do that work. So if that's you, you're willing to go do that work, then you may be a deal finder. On the flip side, um, some people, you know, are not real estate folks. They're more You know, they they like to talk, they like to socialize, they like to, you know, shake hands. And so you may end up networking a lot for for raising capital. Those are the two biggest areas that I see. There's a lot of things in between. If you're a good project manager, if you're good, you can handle a Gantt chart and you can handle contractors and you can do do construction management and you like asset management. There's a lot of in-between stuff that's very valuable. It's needed But at the end, can you find a deal or find some some investors to get there? So when we raise capital today, we're basically following – got to get some education also to do it the right way. You uh, are following SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission. We use exemptions called Regulation D-506B or 506C exemptions. So just learning about that stuff, it'll teach you about accredited and non-accredited investors – and how to properly qualify somebody that's even, you can't even come into the deal uh, the right way, uh, the legal, you know, legal way. And then once you do that, you're really just, you know, shaking a lot of hands and trying to meet the next person and uh, talk to people. Man, it's the biggest one. I mean, I just, I talk to a lot of people. It's, it's hard for me not to be excited about real estate investing. So when I go somewhere, I try not to like, it just oozes out of me. Oh, I'm a real estate investor. You should do this. Best things in sliced bread. I try to let someone else ask me, what do you do first? What do you do first before I mention anything about what I do? So that's that's a disclaimer there for me. I'm like, what do you do? How do you do it? And I'm like trying to hold it back. But as soon as they say, What do you do? Oh man, I'm a real estate investor, and is what I do. People ask a lot of questions the moment you start telling them that. And you know, you just end up being in a conversation. And then funny as it seems, like, A lot of this, we are all over social, we are all over the internet, we are all over, we have a podcast, Five Talents podcast, we drive a lot of education, we have 200 shows that we've done specifically around commercial multifamily investing. So when you give and give and give and give education, knowledge, probably Clint knows this, the law of re- reciprocity. He gives and gives and gives and gives. And he goes to all those Saturday events where six hours of his time and pushing out, you know, education for free. A lot comes back to you. And so I would say whatever you learn, put it back out there. Internet scales well. The internet, video, blogs, posts, whatever. Uh, you'll have people that naturally gravitate back to you that say, hey, I was interested in what you were talking about how do I learn more and those are a lot of our investors today from the from the internet frankly wow well you
0: mentioned stuff we're running out of time here and you and you mentioned that uh, you have a podcast so if somebody wants to go to your podcast or your website how do they uh, reach it
1: yeah go uh, go to 5talents.capital so our website's www.5talents.capital and it has links to our Our podcast on our show, we're going to get Clint out there too, uh, which we just uh, recorded an amazing show. And then if you're on Apple or I don't know FM radio or Slack or Google Play, all the all the places where the podcast are, it's the Five Talents Podcast: Build Wealth Like the One Percent. So we we're excited. We'd love to to have you come learn and and get into our world as well
0: great, and I'll put that in the show links. hey well, hey, thanks for coming on. I know that you, there's a lot of nuggets in here that people are gonna be able to take away. I mean what you're talking about with the cars I was like, wow, I've never heard that one before that that's a pretty cool yeah. one so uh I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're in the middle of a move, and your wife's probably really upset with you because you're like, "Oh, I got to go hang good. out with Clint, and I can't help you pack." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that. Um, yeah, it's awesome. So, all right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'm humbled. I'm appreciative that I get to to hang out with you for a little while. And man, you've you've given me and my family a bunch of opportunities. Whether you know it or not, you've helped a bunch and wanted to say thank you. So anybody following Clint, you need to get into his community, you need to get into his system, learn all the things you can, join up. He's, he's the man. So thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Abel. Take care.
1: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this
0: episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a
1: review of what you thought of this episode.